And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. Uh, King Cunningham couldn't be with us today. Hopefully going to get him back so we can talk uh, about that New England Patriots preview uh, we've got coming up. Uh, Certainly a big one. But before we get to that, we are going to focus on this Dallas Cowboys defense who took on a Detroit Lions offense with a backup quarterback with a fourth and fifth string tailback. Uh, and I mean that literally. I mean, this is literally, I mean, they have have gone through the running backs in uh, in Detroit. Um, banged up offensive line. They uh, didn't have their right tackle uh, playing in this one. Who's one of their better ones? Uh, certainly their highest paid one. <laughs> uh, you know, I just... Uh, there's part of me that that gets really frustrated by the uh, no no turnovers, the the pressure on the quarterback was there, but not always consistent. Um, you know the tackling I thought improved some, not enough. I thought we saw Jalen Smith be much more physical at the at the point of attack, uh, well at the point of contact anyhow. Uh, you know uh, Leighton Vanderish uh, played uh, you know a, a better game. But all in all, you know, this is 27 points to an offense that had no business scoring 27 points. This defense basically allowed the Cowboys to be beatable. This offense, I mean, outside of a fumble early on, this offense, I mean, did everything to make this a blowout. But the defense just, you know... (laughs) Made this team, I mean, made, made, made the Cowboys beatable. Coach Ty, you know, we've we talked about the communication. We've talked about the collaboration between Marinelli and, and, and Chris Richard. I'm worried. Let's just leave it at that. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll let you take over from here. I'm worried. Talk to me about some of the more intricate things you're seeing from this defense that's continuing to be a problem. Well, we talked a little bit earlier about you know defenders getting beat up having to come out of the game because they're hesitant. Um, if you follow the podcast, you know that even early on in the season, I had a real concern about the trying to fit the the scheme that Rod Marinelli is used to running, which uh, is a four three cover two, uh, what's called a Tampa two. Uh, for those who are a little lagged on the football vernacular, what that means is that you're playing cover two with man underneath, particularly the middle linebacker, uh, in coverage. Uh, Chris Richard comes from a different school. Chris Richard comes from a uh, what you know is called an under front, which means that you're going to play a one technique to the strong side, uh, and you're going to slide down a, a linebacker on the line of scrimmage. But it's still a four man front that has a little bit of flexibility, um, but. The uh, secondary behind it is usually what's called a match man concept. And, and again, football vernacular, uh, what that means is that the defenders are all going to be on a level uh, stance when it comes to uh, where they are. And they're going to play a cover four look, meaning that they are going to be responsible for a quarter of the field, but they're matching routes. So if their uh, receiver goes inside, then the guy next to them is going to pick that guy up. And then they're going to stay where they belong. And when the other route comes to them, they're going to jump that route. So getting those two together requires different personnel. A 4-3 look requires a Sam linebacker who is more of a run stopper and more of a Sean Lee type. Um, a, uh, you know, an under front with a, uh, a guy who 
is up on line of scrimmage or is a force player, uh, you know, automatically requires more of a safety type guy because he also will have to cover big tight ends like Kyle Rudolph, like we saw last week, um, and some other things. Fast forwarding into the game that we saw today, the Cowboys consistently are blocking themselves off from making tackles because Sean Lee as the Sam or when you know they go to the nickel package, whoever comes in for him, they are in a position that keeps them from making a tackle because they're letting the defensive ends play block them from getting to force the, the run back into Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Now, the one bright spot that I saw was that Leighton Vander Esch and, and uh, Jalen Smith had a much better game, both of them. Uh, and were much more aggressive downhill as linebackers than they have been in several weeks. That's a good thing. If you're a Cowboys fan, you want to see that because those guys are the most explosive players that the Cowboys have on defense. But you still saw too many plays where that happened, and yet there was nobody there to make the tackle down the field because even though they were coming as uh, scrapers and fillers, there was no force player to push uh, Bo Scarborough back into those two linebackers. And that's ridiculous. It should never happen. What you've got going on is a lack of communication, and it's causing hesitation on defense. And the Dallas Cowboys can't stop Bo Scarborough, who's in camp with the Cowboys and got cut from running the football against them. Thus setting up play action and thus setting up a backup quarterback and Jeff Driscoll to be able to look like the guy's been starting for you know eight weeks. It's a dangerous situation. Whatever's going on is not working in the communication phase. And like I said earlier, the Cowboys have had three plays in the last two games where there were 10 men on the field at the snap of the football or 10 men on the field right before the snap of the football, which should never, ever happen in a professional game. It is inexcusable. And it has to do with the way that the personnel is being run on and off the field. Now, what we know about the organization right now defensively is that Chris Richard is a play caller and that Rod Marinelli sets the front. One of them has to go to the booth. One of them has to go upstairs and be able to see what's going on so that those things don't happen. And with both of them on the sideline, I think there's confusion. I think there's confusion in the way they will line up. I think there's confusion in the way personnel are being used. If you're Jason Garrett and you want to keep your job, you've got to figure this out because there's no reason that a Detroit Lions team that ranks 23rd in the NFL in rushing didn't have but two rushing touchdowns until today. And their starting running back, who's been on IR for several weeks, on Johnson, had those two touchdowns, should have three touchdowns against the Cowboys rushing the football. It's ridiculous. And it's got to change if the Cowboys want any chance to win their division because New England's going to run the football against them. Philadelphia, when they play them again, is going to run the football against them. They cannot continue to do what they're doing. They cannot continue to let third and four string backs beat them in the run game. And it is something that really, if Jason Garrett doesn't come down and start making some things happen when it comes to how the personnel and how the coaching staff deals with the personnel, then there are going to be some very disappointing results uh, ahead for the Cowboys. Yes, sir. And, you know, I'll say this much. What worries me moving forward about this is we've, you know, we, we talk about the New England's, the, the Los Angeles Rams, the Philadelphia Eagles, who we still have to play on this schedule. Guys, the Buffalo Bills are a very similar team 
to what the the Detroit Lions are. I mean, good, you know, and 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 they. If you don't think Josh Allen is an upgrade over, you know, Jeff Driscoll, you're kidding yourself. If you don't think that, you know, even though Frank Gore is a veteran, but they've also got a young guy there in Singletary that they drafted this past year in the second uh, second or third round. I can't remember which. Bottom line is those guys are doing a good job. You know, that's a it's worrisome that, you know, I'll say that much. I mean, it, it's worrisome that that an offense like this can have that kind of success. And how did the Cowboys prepare for it? Yes, Matt Stafford, late in the week, we found out for sure he was a no go. But guys, you know, I'll give the excuse of not being able to. Uh, you know, account for, for Driscoll, you know, the one time he pulls it and goes the opposite way, you know, that's, that's certainly, you know, that, that, that's tough. If, if, if at all you were preparing for Matt Stafford, you know, which, which, like I say, you still had time to prepare for Driscoll. You knew for sure at a certain point that he was not going to play, but it's more than just that guys. It's, it's, it's more than just being able to stop the run. We've got to have more consistency from our pass rush. Robert Quinn doing a terrific job. Michael Bennett, Demarcus Lawrence at times doing a terrific job. In the middle, they're doing a, you know, but Malik Collins had a pretty solid game, but consistency, guys. Consistency. Every uh, how many times did Jeff Driscoll escape the pressure and turn around and rip off a huge chunk of yardage? Or or put himself in position to there were times I'm sitting here asking myself, Driscoll, why are you looking downfield still? Take off. I mean, bud, so what if you only get four or five yards? You know, it's keeping you ahead of the chains. You know, I, it, that was very frustrating to me. Uh, the coverage, the, the secondary, you know, I, I, I keep wondering when we're going to start seeing some of our defensive backs flat out just absolutely jump around. We see it once in a blue moon. Saw it once from an Xavier Woods. Um, I will say this. Cheeto Beowuzier on a couple of occasions when the ball was in front of him and he was breaking downhill on it, I thought he did a nice job. You know? Wasn't going deep. Didn't have to worry about getting his head was around. His head was already around. The ball was in front, thrown in front of him. Thought he did a decent job, but I don't know, man. There's just the lack of a big place from this defense. You know, yeah, we got a few sacks. You know, we should have we we should have had a lot more than what we've we had in this one. No turnovers. It's just it's 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 getting frustrating. It's getting old, and you know, more importantly, you know, to 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 consistently give up you know, the run the way we have, and, and you hit on this, to consistently allow teams to play with balance because you can't stop one side of it. That's one thing the Cowboys for years were so good at, even when we didn't have great defenses, was making offenses one-dimensional. We've all, we'd, you know, it seemed like for years we were always good at stopping the run. And then here the last few, all of a sudden, hard-nosed backs are just giving us problems. Bo Scarborough, a guy that is very simple to stop scheme-wise. Now, I'm not saying he's an easy guy to tackle. 
And if the offensive line is good enough, they can still get him the gaps he needs. But guys, the reason Bo Scarborough was what dropped all the way to the seventh round, the reason he could not make the Cowboys uh, roster, and he's bounced around practice squads, is because if you make him go east and west initially with penetration in the backfield, then he can't get up to full speed. And if Bo Scarborough can't get up to full speed, he's as good as useless. As good as useless. Teams that got that got penetration and made him veer away from the, the, the direction he was initially going, made him get off the train tracks, guys, that, that then, then you've you, you've done your work, you've done your job, and now it's just all you need is just somebody there to clean it up. Uh, you know, I just it, it's it's very frustrating. This defense has me perplexed once once again. You know, and and Coach Ty, we were uh, we were gonna uh, we were gonna get to one other thing, but you know what? Instead, I I, I think I'm gonna save that for another show when we talk about uh, you know the. The contracts that this team has passed out, and the sudden shift in you know in who is the center of this team, and how many of those players actually have contracts, guys. We will get to that on another show. Matter of fact, we might have do that as a an individual show all itself. But instead, Coach Ty, I want to I want to end with this. Uh, obviously, Patricia is a Patriots guy. Uh, we've got the Patriots next. Is it, you know, how uh, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, I want to ask you this, Coach Ty. How much confidence do you have going against the Patriots, knowing that we kind of tipped our hand on some things that we struggled with, you know, a, 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 against the Detroit Lions? I mean, you go out and you have success and, and put out an effort like we did against the Philadelphia Eagles where it seemed like we could do no wrong and the Eagles could do no right. You go out and put a, 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 a performance like that up against the Detroit Lions, an inferior Detroit Lions team, then I don't think New England's quite got the advantages they do in a game like this where you show weaknesses, you show holes, you show problems, and now you're going up against a team that knows exactly what Matt Patricia's thinking in the New England Patriots. Coach Ty, how confident are you moving forward in the next week's uh, New England Patriots game? Well, you know, I watched a little bit of New England and Philadelphia after the Cowboys game. And if you were to ask me, you know, just initially off the reaction to the end of the, the Lions game, I took a little time to analyze. I felt a lot better about it before we got to the show. But... I would have told you they have absolutely no chance of going up there and beating uh, the the Patriots at Foxborough where they've won 20 games in a row. Um, but after looking at the game that they played against Philadelphia and the the way that the Cowboys attacked, at least offensively, the, the Patriots, I think that they have a shot. But like we talked about, that defense has got to change how they're doing things. They've got to get back to being more aggressive. They've got to get back to playing downhill. The New England Patriots don't really, I mean, their run game is decent, but it's its not the, the staple of their offense, obviously. Tom Brady back there throwing the ball is. Uh, but, the, the, the you know, the Patriots aren't, you know, killing it in the receiving game either. It's just the balance. And, again, it's the minds that are on the field and on the sideline for the Patriots that, that make the difference. Bill Belichick, you know, you, you talked about the stat that 
There's not a quarterback under 24 years old that's ever beat him. Um, you know, and Dak is older than that, but still, young quarterbacks have a very hard time against that Patriots defense. Um, and then offensively, uh, you know, you've got to beat Tom Brady, and there are very few people who can beat Tom Brady in a chess match. Um, when it comes to offense, if the the Dallas defense doesn't step up, then they don't have a chance. But if they can get some things just a little bit changed so that they're better in sync and they make Tom Brady have to play, the Dallas Cowboys offense right now is playing as good as any in the league, and they can beat that scheme as they showed today. So we'll see what this week of practice brings and and whether or not you know Jason Garrett, leadership-wise, is able to look at that defensive staff and say, hey, guys, We've got to make some changes going forward if we're going to get to where we need to go and hopefully bring a little bit better organization, a little better communication to the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I, I tell you what kind of worries me a little bit is, you know, uh, against that defense, um, to be uh, uh, one-dimensional the way we were, it worries me for what Bill Belichick's going to try and come and take away, um, you know, for for the defense to have as many issues as they had. Um, it, it worries me about, you know, New England, you know, what, what on earth might we see? It's, um, I mean, guys, let, let's be honest next weekend, the Dallas Cowboys will be at a severe disadvantage based solely on the two head coaches. And, you know, I, 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 that's, I know that's harsh, but it's a fact Bill Belichick has you know has has turned that New England Patriots dynasty into one that is is his verging on you know close to two decades simply because he is one of the brightest football minds of you know an era and right now I just I you know I don't know if Jason Garrett I don't know if this coaching staff right now is is you know I, I I like things that the offense is doing. Uh, the defense has got bright minds. I just don't know if they're syncing up. Jason Garrett, I don't know if this team is completely bought into you because the the poor starts, the lack of energy and effort at times, and it's the, the energy. You know, I wouldn't say effort. You know, intensity, being fired up to start a football game. Those are things that are are purely a coaching issue. And guys, you can say no. Players can it can be the players' fault they're coming out. Well, then, guys, if it's if it's the players' fault, it's simply because they don't believe in what the coach is doing. Either the coach isn't doing it, or the players aren't buying it to come out with more intensity and focus to start these football games. It's one or the other. Either way, it's a coaching problem. So. You know, I but, but we'll get more into that New England Patriots game in our next show. Um, and we'll go ahead and wrap this one up here. Be sure and join us next time. Like I said, when we talk about the New England Patriots game, hopefully we'll have all three because, you know, it's not too often that the Cowboys and Patriots uh, square off uh, simply because we're in two different conferences and, and one makes it to the Super Bowl quite often where the other just flat out gets hyped about being a Super Bowl contender. Uh, that's basically what it's been, you know, for the for quite, for the last two decades plus. So, 
You know, we'll talk about all that next time. And don't forget to go and visit us over at pigskinnut.com to find everything that we do on the Dallas Cowboys. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the game, head over to Pigskin Nut. Pigskin Nut for those crazy about football. Also, if you like what you hear, guys, be sure and subscribe to us. You know, we are available on a variety of platforms. You can find us in the Apple and Google podcast stores. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Podbean. Uh, click the subscribe button, and they'll notify you every time we put out a new episode. Also, you know, be sure and search us out over on social media. We had a lot of people, you know, giving us comments, giving us feedback here this last week on social media. For some of y'all that I still haven't gotten a chance to get back to, I apologize. Uh, it's been a pretty busy week, but I know some of y'all I've had some conversations with some of y'all. I'm still midway through a conversation and you're waiting to hear back from me, but guys, we certainly appreciate it. And I will be getting back to you. Thanks for joining us over on here on the big DB town guys for coach Ty Rogers. I'm Austin Smith. Have a good one. Cowboy fans. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are talking about that Cowboys victory over the Detroit Lions, a 35-27 victory. And uh, and we're going to focus on the offensive side of the football. Let's start with the good, Coach Ty. Let's start with the good, because I don't want people to think we're being overly pessimistic about a win. I mean, a win's a win, <laughs> you know, no matter how you can get it in the NFL. Um, were other expectations added onto this because of prior, you know, games against teams like the New York Jets and even most recently the Minnesota Vikings? Absolutely, they were. But a win's a win. So let's start with the positive in this win. Dak Prescott. Holy cow, pal. I mean, my goodness. He is playing at an MVP caliber level. An MVP caliber level. Amari Cooper gutted through it, made some good catches, but boy does Michael Gallup, boy do Randall Cobb show up. Blake Jarwin makes a couple of big catches. Tony Pollard gets involved for the first time. We will get to that in a minute. We will get to that in a minute. But in Jason Witten even, gosh, the, the third down catch Jason Witten made, I, I, I tell you, man, he's... You just can't overestimate, you know, the value this guy continues to be for this team in some of the critical situations. But Coach Ty, talk, let, let's start there. Let's start with this passing game, man. How good does this passing game look? And and do you think it is a result of teams constantly overcommitting to the run? Because you have to do that against these Dallas Cowboys. You have to. And teams have. Detroit did it this uh, today. Minnesota did it last week. Teams have always overcommitted to the run against the Cowboys. I mean, but in the same sense, Dak Prescott just looks phenomenal. What are you leaning to? Is this a result of constant success in the run that the Cowboys have had year after year after year? Or is this really Dak Prescott? Is he really an MVP, uh, an MVP level quarterback? To me, there's no doubt Dak Prescott is what's the answer is to that question. Um, Yes, the Cowboys have had plenty of success running the football in the past. But, again, the, the offense the Dallas Cowboys ran in 2018 is not the offense that they're running this year. Um, Zeke Elliott has been successful at times this year, but there have been times where he hasn't done much of anything. Um, now, granted, the, the defenses in the league they're playing against the Cowboys cannot sit there and go, okay, well, 
we're not even going to, you know, try to, to defend the run. We're just going to leave five, six guys in the box and let that offensive line and Zeke Elliott pound it downhill. That makes no sense. But um, even with the commitment to the box, um, you still have to be able to complete the, the pass. You've still got to be able to go score. You've still got to be able to do the things that, you know, the Cowboys did. Again, this is a game that had 500 yards of offense, and 75 of those yards were rushing. Um, Dak Prescott, you know, 25 out of uh, of 34, something like that. 20, no, 29 or 34. Yeah, 29 out of 34. Um, you know, 411 yards. I mean, you know, four touchdowns. How do you, how do you not look at that and say, okay, this is a quarterback who is hitting his stride, becoming elite, whatever you want to say. Some of the throws he made today, the throw that, that uh, you know, he, he completes to Amari Cooper uh, in the fourth quarter, I mean, that ball literally travels with so much smoke, it goes right through the defender's hands and into Amari Cooper's hands. Brad Sham on the telecast, uh, I'm sorry, on the radio broadcast, said that the ball had a mind of its own. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you watch him throw the football, he's throwing with such confidence. He's throwing lasers. I mean, the guy is playing as well as any quarterback in the league. Um, you know, it's very easy because of the the past to look at it and go, oh, well, it's just X or Y or Z. But it's been every week. Even when the Cowboys have lost, Dak Prescott has been uh, an elite-level quarterback. And the fact that the, the games that, you know, the Cowboys have come back after so starts – the games where the Cowboys have not have, you know, come back and challenged after being down. It's because Dak Prescott rallied the team and threw the ball, you know, as accurately and as strongly as any quarterback in the league to get them back in the game. The the ability also that he has this year, which is so different from what we've seen in the past, to find open receivers and to spread the football around. I can't think of a game this year where you know, with the exception of the New Orleans game, New Orleans game was the only one that's kind of the anomaly. But uh, I mean, Jason Witten, Blake Jarwin, Tony Pollard, uh, Tavon Austin, Randall Cobb, uh, Michael Gallup, and, and and Amari Cooper all catch footballs. You've got another game where you've got two receivers at over 100 plus yards. How do you do that if you're not, you know, an elite quarterback? The numbers, the 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 results, they all say that it is Dak Prescott. That doesn't mean that the run game is not important. It is. Because, again, you can't just discount the Cowboys' run game because Zeke Elliott can literally make your night very quick and very uh, very decisively uh, a loss if you're an opposing defense for a Dallas Cowboys because that offensive line is as, about as good as there is. But, I mean, when you look at the way things are going this year and the fact that the Cowboys have gone from that run-oriented team to a team that, you know, is the right now, the, I, I would dare say it is the best passing offense in the league. I, I can't, you know, uh, obviously there's some people who might have other opinions about that, but the, the, the statistics say that he, they're the best passing offense in the league. There's only one place that, that starts, and that's at the quarterback position. The, the, there's just no arguing it. I mean, you uh, the Amari Cooper throw, guys, you know, to think that, oh, that was a fluke, the DB – was in position, but he didn't have time to make a play on the ball. Guys, go back and look at the replay. He doesn't even have time to close his hands on it. 
He got his hands up, and before he could even start to, you know, get his eyes locked in and start to close his hands around the football, it was it was already in Amari Cooper's hands. It's like, guys, you know, yeah, the DB put himself in great position, but the confident throw, you know, made it impossible for him to get his hands on it. You know, the throw that he made to Randall Cobb on the move that Randall Cobb dropped, and, and Randall Cobb dropped too. I'm talking about the one that was down the field. Holy smokes, did he put that sucker on a... I mean, just an absolute line. The throw he made to Jason Witten on third down with the defender draped on his back, the one where Jason Witten gets up fired up. Guys, those throws, those are throws I don't know if we believed Dak Prescott could make, you know, when this season started. I, I, I'll be honest. With me personally, there, uh, you know, I've always told people, guys, Dak Prescott, he, there are just going to be throws that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilsons and, and, and these quarterbacks make that Dak can't. You know, I've always said it, and guys, I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder, I mean, is he going to have the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes arm strength deep? No, no, he'll never have that. I mean, but guys, short and intermediate, I don't know that if if right now there's a guy making better throws than Dak Prescott is on the short and intermediate. And yes, he is making throws down the field as as good as anybody is. You know, I, I think part of that is scheme-based. I think part of that is just flat-out talent-based. Michael Gallup. Go get you some on that ball that you bobbled on a big third down conversion. The ball pops up. He keeps his eyes focused on it. Guys, right now, this Dallas Cowboys offensive line and pass protection, these Dallas Cowboys tight ends, these receivers, and Dak Prescott. Oh, and by the way, throw in Zeke and, and Tony Pollard in the passing game too. Right now, they are playing their, out of their minds. And this passing game, after three straight games of Zeke Elliott going for 100 yards, this passing game now has gone back-to-back. Back. We only passed for 397 in the last game. Not quite 400 yards, but clearly over 400 yards in this game. Uh, you know, two 300-yard performances from Zeke Elliott backed up by a combined 800-plus passing yards from Dak Prescott. This offense is showing the kind of pick-your-poison balance. Even though we have not run the ball well in either of these two games, we are showing the kind of pick-your-poison balance it takes through, throughout the week you know, preparing you where, where, where you have to make a decision. What are we going to do? Are we going to drop into coverage? Are we going to go to, are we going to show two deep looks more often? Or are we going to continue to focus on stopping Ezekiel Elliott? You know, I, I just, I, <laughs> this passing game is, is just really, really looking good right now. It is really looking good. Um, let, uh, you know, let's, let's move on real quick because I, I want to talk a little bit I want to stay on the positive side a little bit. Guys, we we screamed till we were blue in the face about Tony Pollard for weeks. And suddenly, Tony Pollard's got himself a role. Now, I was a little frustrated with him as a kick returner. There was a couple of bouncers I would have liked to have seen him return. And a ball that was kicked into the end zone, I would have liked to have seen him stay put. But, you know, outside of that, though, Tony Pollard, a pair of jet sweeps where he looks tough. A couple of runs where he, you know, is fighting for yardage. Um, just a number of very good plays from Tony Pollard. 
And 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 that doesn't even get into some of the things that he did well where the ball didn't even come his way. There was a play early on where Tony Pollard is in the flat. He's got his linebacker beat, and I'm screaming, throw it to him just watching the live broadcast. I didn't realize that, oh, the reason we threw it deep to Michael Gallup where he makes a catch on a corner route is because the guy who should have been dropping deep to take that away is hauling rear to the flat to help his linebacker out on Tony Pollard. They literally have two people that are that are chasing Tony Pollard to make sure he doesn't catch it, and that's more important. Stopping him in the flat was more important than Michael Gallup down the field making almost a 20-yard reception, which he did. Guys, Tony Pollard, apparently defenses are preparing for him because you don't get that kind of attention and not, you know, and not, you know, without them at least having, you know, prepared for you. Teams are ready for Tony Pollard to be a factor. The Cowboys are finally making him a factor. Coach Ty, how important could that be, especially with some of the issues right now Zeke Elliott is having in our in our, our, our typical run offense? How important is Tony Pollard going to be moving forward? We discussed this pre-show. I kind of hope he becomes the Dante Hall of, of the Dallas Cowboys. And for those who are a little bit light on football history, Dante Hall played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and, you know, he got the nickname the Human Joystick because he was like a ghost, um, you know, when it came to trying to tackle him, whether it was, you know, special teams uh, on punt and kick returns, which, like you said, uh, he still needs to work a little bit on. Uh, I don't know what the deal is there, but he still looks a little bit confused. Uh, but in the run game, he could be that guy. He could be that X factor. He could be the guy that really helps restore the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott really to running the football the way that the Cowboys are used to run the football. And the reason I say that is because you saw him take the jet sweeps for, you know, uh, both of them for 10 plus yards um, that he had them handed to him. Speed kills in the NFL. You cannot substitute for, the ability to get people moving in motion to hand the football off and be able to outrun any scheme that you have in front of you. And Tony Pollard can do that. He's got the speed and ability to, to do it. Um, you know, we, we saw in the passing game today, you get him in space. He's incredibly hard to tackle. And that can really help Zeke Elliott in a couple of ways. Um, those who have watched Zeke Elliott's career through college and now even into the NFL, uh, if you remember the national championship game, Ohio State wins uh, against Oregon. The one thing that Oregon, for some reason, could not stop, and I know what the reason is, but a lot of people couldn't figure it out, was the jet sweep counter that Zeke Elliott scored you know, twice on in the national championship game. And the reason that they couldn't stop it is because what that does to a defense, when that full speed motion comes across the formation, there are one or two things that a defense can do. If they're in man coverage, they have to have somebody run with that jet guy. If they don't, then he's uncovering the pass game. And the run game it causes a, an imbalance to where you're going to gain the edge. If they're a zone team, they have to roll their coverage down to the motion. Because if they don't, then they get out leverage in the passing game. That takes away a defense's ability to roll down an eighth person into the box and to bracket the Cowboys run game. Now the Cowboys could help themselves by using Tony Pollard more creatively 
in the run game so that Zeke Elliott can get some of the backdoor cuts and get some of the downhill runs that the Cowboys are missing right now. Um, they also could do themselves a favor by putting Zeke Elliott into the slot, into the passing game, which removes another player from the box or removes a player from the box in coverage and you know still have the ability to use him in the screen game and use him in other ways in that position that allows Zeke Elliott to have less defenders to have to, to run through. Um, right now, the Cowboys' offense, if, you know, when you look at offense that's gained 500 yards in a, in a game, you can't look at a lot of negatives. But the one thing that I'll say uh, that anybody who's watching the game understands right now is that the Cowboys' run game is vanilla. It is as uncreative as any in the NFL. I can't remember the last time I saw the Cowboys run a power scheme. I can't remember the last time that I saw the Cowboys run a, a buck sweep scheme, a pin and pull scheme. Uh, which are things that have been staples of the Cowboys' offense over the last three years. And because of that, it becomes very easy for NFL defenses to bracket down on the run game, knowing that Zeke Elliott likes to be a backdoor cut guy. He likes to have his offensive lineman go ahead and get an upfield push, wash down their defenders, and he likes to cut off the backside tackle. Well, you, you know these guys watch film too. And because that's the one thing they do right now, it's pretty easy for uh, NFL defenses to stop the Cowboys' run game, despite the fact that they've got a good offensive line, despite the fact that Zeke Elliott's a good back. You put Tony Pollard in the game, and now you can't do that, because if you do, you're going to get out, out leverage. They really did themselves a favor today by getting that on film and starting to utilize it. They've got to continue to utilize him more. He needs to get screens thrown to him. He needs to be in the slot and be part of the passing game. And the Cowboys have to use every advantage right now because their run game is too vanilla at this point for them to just say, okay, well, we're just going to use him as a spot player and then hope and pray that Zeke Elliott all of a sudden turns the, the Jets on and, and has, you know, 100-yard rushing games. It's not going to happen until the Cowboys show low creativity in the run game like they have in the past game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and and I've, I've talked to – you and I have both talked about that before, how – you know, the creativity in the run game, the creativity in the screen game has just absolutely gone away. All, all the creativity has gone into the passing attack, which is what we were looking for preseason. We didn't necessarily say we had to abandon, you know, some of those, uh, you know, things that we used to do with the run in the screen game. Uh, and I love your comparison to Dante Hall simply because Dante Hall was one of the first guys I really ever remembered saying that's a gadget player. That's a player that can line up anywhere. You know, yes, he was a terrific kick return and punt return guys. And and and, and we've seen guys like that in the past with Devin Hester and Joshua Cribbs, but yet they haven't been able to have much impact on the offensive side of the ball simply because they didn't have that skill set. Dante Hall was one of the first that man, you put him in the 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 slot, you put it, you, you motion him into the backfield. He's always an option on a reverse. If you motion him that way, that teams have to respect. You get him on little crossing routes, get him in the open field with the ball, you hand it to him. You 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 know, you you just do so many things to make the defense either pay with his speed or res- over respect his speed to the point that they forget about the uh, some of the other weapons on the field. Would love to see that with Tony Pollard. Guys, let me tell you something. Tony Pollard on those reverses, and Tavon Austin, by the way, on some of the tr- more natural style reverses we've run him with. When you put guys like that in, 
it automatically makes that eighth player in the box that you're rolling up to stop a Zeke. It automatically makes him account for something else that he wasn't supposed to. You're exactly right. We are so zone heavy right now. And because there's an extra person in the box, you know, everybody thinks that extra person is always on the play side. No, that extra person often than not is on the backside guaranteeing that there's no that there's no cutback option. Sure, you don't block the backside defensive end, but the backside safety who's flowing to that backside gap that you could possibly that he could possibly cut back into. Guys, it's not there. You know, but I will say this. The jet sweep, the reverse motions, those things offer misdirection that the Cowboys are lacking because we are not doing a lot of the gap and power scheme stuff. Because we are so committed to the zone scheme stuff running the football, we're not getting as much uh, of the misdirection. Really, the only option when you run zone plays for misdirection usually is going to involve the quarterback. It's going to involve the quarterback going the other way to create, and the running back is the one truly creating the misdirection because the quarterback's going to keep and go the other way. I, I would like to see the Cowboys with more of that creativity that you're talking about, Coach Ty. I'd, I'd love it. Not to mention, jet sweeps and reverses also bring the screen game that much more into play. Those are some of the most popular screens we see nowadays. Is the you know the the fake stretch. Never, you know, and, and you pull it. Oh, we're going to hand the reverse. Oh, no, never mind. We're, in fact, going to throw it to the running back who we faked the stretch to in the first place. While everybody's trying to recover to the reverse, we're going to get those offensive line out front. We're going to get that running back to turn around. We're going to, we've seen the Cowboys do it in the past. You know, I, the, the, the reverse can bring so much to us. And Tony Pollard is, it, right now, is a guy that, I mean, he can bring that. I know Tavon Austin can too. I just like Tony Pollard more to doing it because I, I think he's got the physicality to be able to not only use his, you know, make his speed make people pay, but also to run through those arm tackles, which I don't know if Tavon Austin, you know, that's just not a, something he does. You know, I'd love to see Tony Pollard more involved in that. I'd love to see the offense feature more creativity in the run game. And and like I say, get back to doing what the Cowboys were doing when Zeke was here his first two years in the league, where we were not a zone-heavy team. We were a very balanced scheme. We ran zone. We ran plenty of 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 gap and and, and power stuff as well. You know, not that wasn't always just Zeke running and then sticking a foot in the ground and getting north and south into a running lane. No, there were still plenty of times where we were seeing Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, whoever was at left guard during those days. Pulling a lot of times, like you say, a pin and pull, you know, even with the tight ends and tackles, getting Tyron Smith out in front while with a tight end pinning the defensive end down as a lead blocker. Guys, these are, th you know. Those are things we're not seeing very much of, and those are staples in the you know the gap and power scheme. So I, I do. I really want to see it. I would like. I and I told you this in the pregame or in the pre-show, Totes Ty. There was a few times even in this game where when we had a fullback in the game, I thought Zeke was a little more decisive. I'd love to see us. You know, Jamie Zolawalie. We've kind of cooled off on him. Over the last month, with the passing game growing more, he hasn't been involved as much. He's certainly not pass protecting as much as he was early in the season. 
Wouldn't mind seeing, you know, some true lead plays with a true lead blocker. Even if it's even if the lead's not going to his way, guys, a fullback guarantees you linebackers are going to react to the way he goes. That's just as much misdirection-wise as a reverse is. If you can guarantee you're getting linebackers flowing that way based on the direction he goes, isolation plays, counter plays, trap plays that go away from the lead blocker, those things can absolutely, absolutely, you know, work in the Cowboys' favor for all these teams that want to continue to stack and, you know, stack the box against us. I'd love to see it. Love your points on that, Coach Ty. Um, last thing is this. Uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, another, you know, not so great rushing, you know, performance. Obviously, defenses have a lot to do with that. I'm, we're still not seeing Zeke break tackles the way he is. But, you know, Coach Ty, I'd like to give Zeke just a slight bit of credit because, you know, the fumble had me mad. The the constant, you know, way, you know, not being able to grind out yards to create space for himself when it's not there from from the line scheme. I've been a little frustrated that we haven't seen the you know the Ezekiel Elliott that we saw early in his career that got him this extension we just gave him. But then he comes back on a screenplay. He makes an outstanding catch. You know, I mean, guys, Z, it, 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 how many times have we seen star players in the past kind of get phased out and then lose interest and then, you know, you know, miss out on a big play when it finally did come their way? Drop a pass or something to that extent. Zeke Elliott makes a hell of a catch on that screen and goes out and finishes it. Coach Ty... Is that is does that should that keep Cowboys fans encouraged that hey Zeke Elliott is not falling into the uh, and and I hate to say this because I've always been a fan of Des Bryant you know even though I didn't care for the way he ended his career here but that was always a worry with Des Bryant if you don't get him involved early he'll lose interest is that not at least a little bit encouraging that we're still seeing Zeke Elliott continue to stay interested you know and make a big play when it does come calling. Yeah, I think it is a encouraging thing. I, I don't think Zeke is is checked out, and, and uh, you know, obviously not like Des Bryant was at times. But I do think that Zeke, you know, just like every running back that I've ever coached, uh, when you don't have the success early on in the in the run game, and you have a tendency to get frustrated, you have a tendency to get down on yourself. Um, running backs are, are, are odd people when it comes to just a profile, especially elite ones. Um, you would think that they'd be the most confident guys in the room, but ultimately they're some of the harder guys in the room on themselves. Um, receivers tend to be a little bit more diva and be like, well, it doesn't matter. Just throw me the ball. Uh, as Keyshawn Johnson used to say, just throw me the damn ball. Um, I take offense but, to that, sir. <laughs> um, but running backs you know, can be very hard on themselves and, and very analytical about what they're doing, maybe even too much so. Um, so... I think that Zeke, you know, when I see him, and the Cowboys have mentioned a couple times over the last couple of weeks, I think he might be trying to do too much. And you talked about maybe the decisiveness with a fullback in front of him. Um, you know, and I don't know that it's necessarily the fullback being in front of him as much as it is that he doesn't have to think about where the hole is. He doesn't have to think about where he's trying to get the cut. 
the um, fullback's vision is, is 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 doing that work for him, isn't it? I mean, a fullback a yeah. lot of times he's the one you know using his vision, and the running back is just following him. Right, and I think that that's part of it is that maybe he's overthinking things. Um, but what you see is why he got the extension he did. What you see is why he is uh, one of the more dangerous weapons in the NFL. Uh, that catch that he makes, there are a lot of receivers who couldn't make that catch. And, I mean, he stabbed that thing with one hand. He picks it up. He goes to the end zone. Um, you know, those are the type of things that when it matters, only elite players can do. If you don't have that guy, it doesn't matter how hard he works. It doesn't matter who he is. You're just not going to get that result. And Zeke has shown, I think, time and again, that despite some of the other things that people may not like about him, He's one of the hardest workers in the game, and I think that he is a very well-rounded back, um, and that's something that also cannot be um, undervalued. Backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield in key situations, keep drives alive, and more importantly, <laughs> they're the, the, the plays that, that win games. I mean, just bottom line, because 90% of the time, your back flaring out of the backfield is going to have a mismatch. He's going to be up against somebody who can't cover him. And that you know, catch showed why Zeke Elliott is still one of the elite, if not the best running back in the NFL, um, because he can do things like that. Now, I'd like to see him be more confident in how he's run the football and maybe not be quite as analytical, um, you know, not try to make the perfect cut, and just get downhill because he is 225. Um, and there are a lot of guys in, in the secondary of any team that they play that they can't handle him. They just can't. He puts his shoulder down. He goes straight forward at somebody. They're going to have a hard time tackling the guy. Um, so I hope he does get back to that, and I hope that that's something that, again, would be in the coach's analysis this week. When Kellen Moore looks at that film and Jason Garrett looks at that film, um, I hope that they go, you know what? i just like to see him be able to be you know, harder downhill with the runs and go, hmm, well, maybe we should run power more often. Um you know, that's the type of thing you've got to do as a coach to, to change it up. Your tendencies get very, very, uh, very similar over time. And if you're not doing the self-scout, uh, when it comes to your offense, that's the type of stuff that can really get you beat. Hopefully, that's something that they look at and go, okay, we want to see more of this. And then th- those plays that Zeke makes in the pass game will be even more effective. Absolutely. They, um, you know, I, and I, I do believe, I do believe the fullback could help him get away from the thinking part of it. Hey, bud, we run a lead or a power where, you know what? The fullback's doing the, the, he's the one doing the looking, he's the one doing the reading. He's the one, you know, that's, you know, using his vision, you know, it's your job to cut off him. You know, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that, uh, you know, to maybe, maybe get it, get it out of Zeke's head. Hey, bud, just go out and run the football, go North and South. You know, and, 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 and see what happens, you know, quit thinking so much. Let's not forget guys, the Dallas Cowboys, like I said, had 300 yard performances from Zeke Elliott prior to this, these two games of passing outbursts. Teams will eventually start respecting Dak Prescott in this passing game enough to the point where they're like, okay, you know, got to start dropping, you know, that safety back, that second safety back to help in coverage more often. And we will need a, a Zeke Elliott to do exactly what he did today. And that's 
answer the bell when the opportunity presents itself, you know, and, and the opportunity is truly there. And that's, I, I'll give Zeke credit for that. That catch was phenomenal. Staying on his feet was phenomenal. He, you know, and then he burst up field and, and, and ends up, you know, putting it in the end zone for, for what ended up being, you know, uh, uh, the, the, probably the most important score of the game. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get over to the defensive side of the ball, and that's where things are going to start to uh, get a little pessimistic again. Uh, and I hate doing it that way, but, you know, it's just unfortunately this defense has given us no other choice. But uh, we'll talk about all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. Hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's Team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me, as always, is Coach Ty Rogers, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut and a lifelong Cowboy fan, and we are the Big D Beatdown, and we are brought to you today by pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so when you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on our football roundtable. We discuss some of the all-time greats on our show wide right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite NFL teams, such as the Giants, Eagles, Browns, Broncos, Chiefs, Steelers, and of course your Dallas Cowboys. Make Pigskin Nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the game, head over to pigskinnut.com. Pigskin Nut, for those crazy about football. All right, Coach Ty, um, we just saw our Cowboys, uh, you know, <laughs> we saw some good from them in this Detroit Lions game. We saw some bad from them. You know, the uh, the Cowboys go out and they get a victory uh, that they had to have. I mean, there ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about that. With the way the schedule plays out and the way our competition schedule plays out, uh, mainly the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, we've got to win the games that are you know, are, are sure wins on our team, on our schedule. You know, I, I know the NFL, there shouldn't be anything, you know, there should never be a sure win. But the bottom line is there are teams that the Cowboys are just flat out better than, and you have to beat those teams. The Detroit Lions were one of them. We beat them 35-27. Um, I'll start with this, Coach Ty, because I said it right when the game got started. There were two objectives to this game that were going to make it a success. A, getting a win. B, solving the only thing the Cowboys have done consistently all year long, and that is get off to bad starts. One time have the Cowboys gotten off to a good start against the Philadelphia Eagles, and we we dominated that game. Outside of that, we've gotten off to slow start time after time after time. We won the football game. We hit one of the two objectives. We absolutely did not hit the other one. We come out. You know, um, a, you know, obviously, you know, a pass to Amari Cooper doesn't find, you know, doesn't find, uh, you know, a completion. Zeke Elliott, you know, a little careless with the football. He had it tucked, but not tight enough because it came out. The defense, you know, I know it's a short field, but, you know, opportunities to, to tackle, to, you know, to commit to the run, which we figured they were going to do and force it to three points doesn't happen. You know, Coach Ty, what are you focusing on more here, sir? Are you focusing on the fact that we got the win, which was one of the objectives we hit on, or the other objective, the fact that we did not get off to a, uh, a fast start? What What are you, you know, leaning more towards? I mean, as a coach, 
the win is is the objective. I mean, Herman Edwards said it best: "You play to win the game," and that is what took place. Uh, we have, as Cowboy fans, this year seen situations like this that have ended up on the the loss column. Uh, three in particular, I can think of that are you know less than seven point games uh, where the Cowboys had a chance to win it and didn't, including last week. So you've got to focus on the win first. I mean, there's no way to to get around that. It puts the Cowboys still a game ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, which is something that is going to come you know in handy towards the end of the season. Obviously, they're going to match up again in Week 17. So those are the things that are most important. When we're talking about the playoffs, which, again, the Cowboys will not be a wild card. Neither will the Philadelphia Eagles. Neither team is going to be able to to outpace Seattle, um, and probably not going to be able to outpace uh, you know Minnesota or whoever doesn't win the uh, NFC North, either Minnesota or Green Bay. So the the only way to get in is to be the NFC East champion. And right now, the Cowboys are in the lead in the NFC East. Uh, that's what matters. Uh, that doesn't mean the slow start doesn't concern me. And what concerned me most is not, you know, you have a bad play, Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, fumble. Uh, you fumble and give the ball back to any NFL team on the 20-yard line. This isn't college football. Uh, they're going to go score. They did. Uh, didn't expect that, you know, that was not going to happen, even with a backup quarterback in the game. What bothered me the most is that the start continued on defense throughout the rest of the, the first quarter. The Cowboys could not stop the run. The Cowboys could not stop the Lions from driving down the field. Uh, it didn't all turn into points, but it certainly is something that has been a pattern that the Cowboys early on in football games cannot stop the run and cannot establish that defense to where they can gain the advantage. The Dallas Cowboys had 500-plus yards of offense and scored 35 points today. You should win most of your games handily, even in the NFL, even in the modern-day NFL, when your offense does that. The Dallas Cowboys' defense is not doing their job early, and so the Dallas Cowboys' offense is having to win shootouts every single time to beat the, the, an opponent with even a decent amount of talent. And that's not a good recipe going forward. You will not win a shootout next week against New England. So that being the case... That part of the start has to change. And I really think, and we talked about this pre-show, there is a problem with the communication on the defensive football staff. I don't know who needs to go to the booth, whether it's Rob Marinelli or whether it is Chris Richard. But the personnel and the way that the personnel are being used in the scheme is not matching up. And you've got two guys on the sidelines. You've had three plays in two games where you've had 10 people on the field right before or right at the snap of the football. Two of the three have caused the Cowboys touchdowns. That is unacceptable. It's unacceptable at the high school level, much less at the pro level. So that is the biggest thing that concerns me is that the communication on the defensive side of the football continues early on to not be there. And until that changes, the Cowboys are going to have to put up 500 yards of offense just to win a game. And you can't do that against the team the Cowboys are fixing to play. So I'm glad we got the win, but there's a lot to be concerned about, a lot of things that need to be worked out before I really feel great about what went on on the field. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, uh, we're going to get into some of the specifics on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive, a little bit later, because I know we've got a lot more to say about the defense. You and I discussing it in the pre-show, you know, have a lot to say about the problems on the defensive side of the football. Before we get to that, let, let let's talk about a few other things, though, team wide that I'm a little worried about in this one. Um, We knew going into this game, Detroit is not an easy team to beat. They have not been for not anybody this year. They have played hard in every game. They're a hard-nosed team. They reflect their head coach very well. They play hard. They, you know, they take nothing for granted. They grind, you know, snap after snap after snap on both sides of the ball. The Cowboys, you know, I mentioned it last week that the Cowboys have had problems with running backs like that. You know, when me and Ken did uh, the Minnesota recap show that, you know, we hit on that. Hey, man, this team has had problems with hard-nosed running backs. We just faced a hard-nosed team. A hard-nosed team. All 46 of them that dressed up, including the quarterback that had no problem lowering his shoulder and running the football. How many, it, it, it bugs me a little bit. And guys, I know injuries can't be avoided. It bugs me a little bit, though, how many Cowboys I saw come out of this football game and re-enter. How many guys took a hard shot, had to come off the field, eventually came back in? It's like, guys, I get it. You know, injuries happen. I get that. But, you know, something that I thought was a problem a week ago just at a particular position. Guys, for some reason, these tough running backs are tougher than our defense is because they always give us problems tackling the football. Well, guess what? In this one, I you know what? It seemed like that expanded a little bit. Coach Ty, is this a problem that maybe Cowboys fans have overlooked? And us too, because we haven't questioned this team's toughness. But, I mean, maybe their mental toughness at times, maybe, you know, you know, certainly other areas, but, but we've never questioned this team's toughness. But this, like I say, this was a, a hard-nosed game, and, and the Cowboys came out looking like they were, I mean, they were beat up and bruised at the end of this one. Does that concern you a little bit? Especially knowing that the Cowboys aren't exactly healthy as it is. You know, did not exactly own the line of scrimmage when it came to running the football or stopping the run either. You know, is it starting to become part of the problem? We've always put it on scheme. We've always put it on things like that. Do we need to start questioning how tough this team is? I have a hard time questioning an NFL player's toughness. Uh, You know, for those who don't know my background and listen to the show, uh, I was in some NFL camps. I didn't make it because I just wasn't good enough. Uh, some of these guys, uh, some of these guys, all these guys who make these fifty-three man rosters are some of the most elite athletes in the world. Um, I, I don't know that I question the toughness because, again, I don't think it's a measurable. Um, you know, it's talked about a lot, but how do you measure toughness? You measure toughness by how hard you hit. You measure toughness by uh, whether or not you come out of the football game. You measure toughness by you know whether or not you can. Uh, you know, come back from 21 points down. I think there are more factors than that. But what I do see is this. I see hesitation, which causes you to be the person who takes the blow a lot of times, particularly on defense, because most of the guys that came out and then came back in uh, were on the defensive side of football. We knew Amari Cooper had a bad knee coming in. We knew Leo Collins was hurt coming in. 
Both of them were in and out of the lineup. Lyle Collins left a little early in the game. Uh, doesn't look like his injury is something that's going to keep him out next week. But these were things we knew beforehand. We knew they were hurt and that they were playing hurt. Um, we didn't know that Demarcus Lawrence was hurt. We didn't know, um, you know, that the Chuba Wuzie was going to be hurt. We didn't know that Xavier Woods was going to be hurt. They all came out at some point because they got walloped. And I think a lot of that has to do with the hesitation on defense. And that's where I have the major problem. I think it's a coaching problem. And in fact, I, you know, I, and again, I have a hard time criticizing coaches because I, I can coach and I know how easy it is to sit in the stands and go, yeah. We know what's going on when, in reality, that's not the case. You don't have all the factors. But here's what I see. I see hesitation on defense. With some of the better and more elite defensive players in the league. Now, I saw a little bit less of that today at the linebacker position. I thought Leighton Banderas and Jalen Smith were much more aggressive. And they didn't come out of the game. Um, but I did see Demarcus Soros come out, and uh, there's sometimes I saw you know some hesitation, some confusion as to what was going on. I definitely saw it in the secondary. And again, um, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I think Chris Richard does a lot of really good things. I think that he's an innovator. But I'm starting to wonder if he is, you know, not really communicating to his players, or if he is not doing a good job of teaching his players enough to be confident and be uh, attackers coming downhill. Because I don't see it. Um, and, I mean, it's easy because Rob Monroe is the older coach and the one who's been here longest to, to, to kind of, you know, be the guy who ends up being the fall guy and all this. But I think Rob Marinelli's front did a good job today. I, I don't think the secondary did a great job, and I certainly don't think that they're matching up. And thus the confusion. And we talked about this a little bit. I think that because that confusion is there, you've got guys who are literally – being shielded away from plays by their own alignment, and then they're having to fight through things that they shouldn't have to fight through, or they're out of position. And in the NFL, being out of position will get you hurt because there's just too much going on. There are too many people flying around. And if you are not in a good position to take on the play because your scheme puts you in a bad position, it's even harder to keep from being injured. So I don't know about toughness, but I do know this. The Cowboys are not aggressive on defense like they should be. And that's got to change if they're going to have any chance to win this division because you can't have those guys coming out late in games against New England, against Philadelphia. And you certainly can't have them being the ones taking the blows. And that is what's happening right now. And that is a concern. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I, maybe I, I'll, I'll define it a little bit more now that I'm giving my answer to this. Um, I, I certainly don't think it's physical toughness necessarily. I do think there's a mental toughness, though, and whether it's because you know they're hesitating, and 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 here's something, cowboy. Uh, you know, all 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 the people have listened to the Big D beatdown. Y'all have never heard me say this. Very few times have I ever voiced this concern about the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm going to do it now, and I'm going to put it on tape. This organization for so long has been one, has been the center of attention. In the NFL, in American sports, hell, when you when you look at it, we're the most valuable sporting franchise in the entire world. We bring media attention like the entire city of New York does in anything they do. One sporting franchise brings that kind of media attention. The Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Stars, the Texas Rangers, 
SMU. I mean, guys, the, the, uh, you know, FC Dallas, you know, n- none of these other Dallas-based sports, I mean, get, get that same sort of media attention that the Dallas Cowboys do. This is Texas, this is football, and we are both. With that being said, I mean, Cowboy fans, we know this. Every year, we're good There's always people, you know, that are just absolutely running the hype train for the Cowboys. It is almost avoidable with as much media as we have nowadays for guys not to know what's being said in the media. You you do interviews on a weekly basis, most of these guys. It's constantly, you, you know, even if you block out the media, turn your cell phone off all week, turn the TVs off all week. I don't want to hear what they're saying about us. It's still going to make it to you through the interviews and things like that you do. The media people in your building on a day-by-day basis. And it's hard for the human brain not to allow yourself to buy into it. You can tell yourself all day long that, oh, don't listen to them. We still got to work hard. We still got, guys, I'm sorry. It's just, that's just the way the human brain works. You continuously hear something, you're continuously surrounded with a hype, eventually some people are going to buy in. Eventually, at one point or another, each of these players is going to buy in. For how long? Who knows? You know, for one guy, it might be a week before he gets checked and all of a sudden he's like, no, 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 I know I'm not working as hard as I need to be to do my part on a team. But, But what I'm saying, guys, is... I worry about that media attention. I worry about the constant hype surrounding them. And I worry about players easing into complacency and buying into it at times because that makes it so much more difficult to get hit in the jaw and bounce back up. You know, I'll tell you one thing. You know, the underdog complex that teams like the Philadelphia Eagles have had to deal with throughout their their sporting franchises, you know, history, teams like the Cleveland Browns, sometimes that can be a blessing because those players develop that tough skin. That's one thing that I'm a little worried about this Cowboys team. Do we have that thick skin? Do we have that tough skin? Do we have that ability at moment's notice to get hit in the jaw by a hard-nosed team like the Detroit Lions and be able to out-punch them? Hey, yeah, we beat the Detroit Lions today. Of course we should have. I don't know if you could name me 15 players on their 53-man lot roster over in Detroit that would be on our, on the Dallas Cowboys roster. We were at a, a, a severe... Severe difference in talent from that football team. For a reason, Detroit's rebuilding. They've been rebuilding ever since Patricia got there. They've shipped players out at deadlines each of the last two years. That's what I mean by the toughness. We have no idea. what. I, I wonder how many of the players even know what an underdog mentality feels like, what, what, it, what it looks like. That's where I question, you know, this team and their toughness. That's where I question it. Guys, you know, and, and Coach Ty, you, you're, you're exactly right. Playing this game at this level, you don't make it to that point if you're not physically tough, if you don't know how to play through pain. Amari Cooper's doing it. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins are doing it. Travis Frederick, there is no telling how strong that, 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 right, that, that shoulder is. 
after the disease he went through last year. There's no telling. The the I mean, we can certainly assume that he's not 100% because he hasn't played up to his traditional standard. But at the end of the day, guys, I just wonder if the mental toughness is there. We're going to go ahead and take a break now on the Big D Beatdown. When we get back, Coach Ty and I are going to talk about this Dallas Cowboys offense. We're going to talk about what went good, what continued to not look so good, and where this offense goes from here. We'll do all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. 